0: Surprise! This is Brent from Burgundy Blog back for another Burgundy Blogcast on a totally random Tuesday night in late June, entirely for your personal summer refreshment. This is the 10th episode of Season 4 of Burgundy Blogcast. If, by the way, you happen to be confused as to how we're on Episode 10 in Season 4 when, of course, the Redskins have not played an actual game yet, the answer, silly, is that of course, the 2018 NFL season started, for all intents and purposes, at least after the Super Bowl in February. So this is the 10th episode I've recorded since that time. We don't need new football for it to be a new year, at least as far as I'm concerned, and let's face it, that is a sustaining philosophy for Redskins fans. Now, the last episode I published was uh, also a solo session on May 2nd, so it's been like seven weeks since I've dropped anything on the blogcast. Let's face it, not a ton of stuff has actually transpired in the interim. Of course, the Redskins did have some OTAs and mini camps from which I think maybe we as fans were able to glean a few things about the new roster. So I wanted to just record a few things that have been on my mind lately as we wait out this incredibly dull period in the middle of the summer. Also, my microphone has literally been collecting dust in a closet in my basement, so I wanted to brush it off and make sure it still works. And additionally, I consumed at least three beers just now while watching Jumanji with my kids. And nothing really puts me in the mood to podcast like beers. By the way, I'm not talking about that fairly dumb-looking new or recent version of Jumanji with The Rock. In my house, we watch Old School Jumanji with Robin Williams, which is a classic. Anyway, here I go with a string of unrelated, stream-of-consciousness-type Redskins ideas. First, let's do the eight draft picks. Now, of course, no one's even seen these guys yet in pads, so obviously it's too soon to be drawing like sweeping, lasting conclusions about whether the Redskins made right or wrong choices with any of these players. Furthermore, at this stage, you would just absolutely never hear anybody associated with the team, whether it be a coach or a teammate or anything, express the slightest bit of disappointment or dissatisfaction or regret with any of the picks. So it's not like we would have seen anything by now that made us think that any of them was like a total disaster or at least any more so than we did at the moment they were that, that their names were called. But personally, I do think that just those first impressions uh, gleaned by observers of those summer practices can be used to separate the players into categories ranging from, you know, satisfactory all the way up to, boy, maybe we really got something. This guy looks like maybe he's even a little bit better than we thought or hoped when we turned in the card. So, briefly going through each pick, and based off of what I've exhaustively read and some things I've heard from people who have watched or been involved I truly believe, for example, that the Redskins indeed are more than satisfied with Deron Payne so far um, based on the little bit they've witnessed. I believe that they are truly thrilled with his physical and technical maturity and with his versatility, and I think that they actually genuinely are expecting him to be not only a key contributor but an impact player pretty much from the get-go. I don't think that there is the slightest bit of regret from anybody on the team about that pick. Second round pick, Darius Geis. Uh, same deal. I think that they are beyond thrilled with what they've seen out of Geis, both on the practice field and off the field um, in person and on social media and as a public persona. perceive that the coaches and team in general are confident that those rumors about his attitude around the time of the draft were way off base and that they still think he was a steal and that he's going to be a star third round pick, Jaron Christian, the tackle. I think they uh, already knew going into these practices and have come away still feeling like he's got a long, long way to go. Again, that's not to say that that they are you know, second-guessing it, uh, but I think it's pretty clear that Jaron Christian um, played in a scheme in Lu- at Louisville that does not resemble what he's going to be asked to do as a pro, and I think he kind of Had a certain number of deer-in-the-headlights moments there in in practice so far. Bill Callahan has implicitly said as much. I don't think any of that is a total surprise, but I think at this point he gets a merely satisfactory grade, and I do think the team is probably hoping that they certainly don't need to rely on him for long stretches in 2018. Fourth round, Troy Apke, the safety, the one that everybody bitched and moaned about uh, for being a reach. Uh, yeah, I think he's looked a little bit reachy so far from what I gather. Um, I I think he's raw again, just like with Christian. I, I think the Redskins knew what they were getting in him, which was a guy that was far from a polished finished product. I do think that they're thinking right now that he'll be ready to come in and be a difference maker on special teams from the jump. But I, I do think that they're probably hoping to avoid having to, uh, put him on the field much as a defender in the early part of his rookie year. Fifth round, Tim Settle. Again, uh, I, uh, Raw. I think he's a Raw player. I think that's what they saw. Um, I have not heard any comments from teammates, coaches, beat writers, or anybody um, who I communicate with who's in any way affiliated with the team, which have described Settle as a no-doubt rookie contributor. Of course, again, that's not to say that he can't be, but I think he looks like the rookie that he is. Six-round pick, Sean Dion Hamilton, the inside linebacker. This one's kind of interesting. Of all the picks, I think maybe he had kind of like the least buzz after the draft, at least among fans. I think Hamilton has kind of flown under the radar, but I think Gruden really liked this pick. I mean, Gruden, of course, is more of an offensive-minded guy, but I have gotten the sense since right after the draft that that Gruden was really pretty high on him, and hearing his comments um, while those practices were going on, I think he has remained high on him. Now, Hamilton is actually still coming off an injury and isn't even really full go, but I feel like his way-too-early grade or impression is actually somewhere between satisfactory and total infatuation. I feel like if this cat is healthy, he is going to have a role right away on special teams, and that they are probably going to feel comfortable rolling with him as a backup inside linebacker pretty early on. He seems to me like a pretty big threat to the roster spots for Martrell Spate and Zach Vigil. Going to the seventh round corner, Stroman out of Virginia Tech. Um, I think he has kind of looked and practiced like a rookie so far I think he'll make the team and he may actually see some decent action um, on special teams as a returner but I sure wouldn't hold my breath about him playing a lot as a rookie corner and then finally very interestingly the man whose hype train knows no limits Trey Quinn Mr. Irrelevant the final pick in the draft we all heard right afterward about how Gruden had been sweating him and wanted one of the team to draft him earlier on the third day. Then, uh, then they ended up getting him. But yes, I, I think indeed he showed so well in OTAs and minicamps that it is totally not premature to not only write his his name on the roster in sharpie, so to speak, but to kind of pencil him in for a a pretty significant uh, role in the offense. And I think that he could potentially even be, as early as September, the best and most reliable option on the team for that fourth wide receiver slot, which requires of a player familiarity with all three positions and, of course, a degree of dependability. So yes, to me, it seems very much like that Trey Quinn hype train is legit and well-justified. And that means that I think that the three picks the team is feeling best about at this particular moment in time are their first, second, and eighth picks of this draft in Payne, Geis, and Quinn. And then I think Sean Dion Hamilton, despite his relative obscurity, is going to be a guy to look out for. Alrighty, next topic. Gruden's job security. This sort of made the rounds on Sports Talk Radio last week. Uh, because uh, Vegas put out some odds on which head coaches were most and least likely to get fired next. And Gruden's name came up pretty high on the list. I believe he tied for the fifth best or worst odds, I guess, depending on how you look at it, um, in terms of likelihood of being fired first. And of course, I can kind of get some of the logic behind that, because I do think if the Redskins suck, that he'll be in jeopardy, mainly because he's been around long enough to have no remaining excuses. And of course, the Redskins, from a record standpoint, have kind of stagnated over the last three years. So yeah, if the Redskins get off to a horrendous start, or if they regress even more in terms of record, I can see why he would certainly be a candidate to get fired. But a few things on that that I feel like perhaps Vegas is sort of underestimating. Number one. I'm a little bit bullish on the Redskins this year. I think that they're probably going to be respectable. I don't think it's very likely that they're just going to suck over the first half of the season, so such that he would be at risk of being fired before the season's over. And I think if they can stay healthy, of course, the most important asterisk in town right now, if they can stay healthy, that they'll probably be in the mix in September for you know maybe a wildcard spot. So if that sort of situation comes to pass, then needless to say, he's not going anywhere. Because my other thought is that I think that that the team, the the structure, you know, the infrastructure of the the front office, the brass. When you're talking about Snyder and Bruce Allen and and Doug Williams and Schaefer and the scouts, I think I think all of these people really like him and appreciate him at this point. I don't think any of them are like itching to pull the trigger on on Jay Gruden right now. I think Gruden has become a, a fairly powerful head coach by league standards. I think he's got his hand in the draft. I think he's got his hand pretty significantly in free agency. I believe he's picked for himself um, some nice assistant coaches and and assembled really a strong cast of um, position coaches, including truly elite ones in Bill Callahan and Jim Tomsula, um, an emerging strong one in, uh, in the defensive backs coach Torian Gray. And then even I think the, the next flavor of the month, super young guy, future prodigy, Doogie Hauser type coach in the Redskins system is current passing game coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, who's 33. I think a lot of smart people inside the team and out um, elsewhere in league circles um, have high expectations for where his coaching career is going to go. So I guess what I'm saying is that I feel like Gruden really just kind of fits pretty nicely in, into this team right now. I think he's, he's learned how to manage some oversized and unique egos. Even though he's not setting the world on fire yet, I think he's getting into a little bit of a groove. And I think consequently, maybe the expectations or the requirements of him aren't quite as high as some think. I mean, don't get me wrong, this is a year where they, they need to show something. They they do need to, to advance. Uh, they, they need to progress. But I mean I'm not certain at all that eight and eight or even seven and nine is gonna get Gruden canned. I, I think they're gonna I think Snyder is gonna look for every reason to keep him and to, to give him some benefit of the doubt at this point. So I guess yeah. To me, you know, being the the fifth most likely coach to get fired first, I, I think it's a little bit of a stretch. I, I don't think that that entirely reflects reality. By the way, I've really come around on Gruden. Um, I like him. I think he's a good coach. After after his first year, I'll admit, um, I wanted him gone. I thought his his first year was so rough and. And and of course, looking back, I mean, he had to deal with a pretty brutal RG3 situation. But I, I did not think at the time that he handled it handled it well. I mean, he was he was new as a head coach, obviously, and he was maturing, and he's done a lot of the the requisite maturing. And uh, I've come to like his demeanor and his disposition. I think. The team, even having only been to the one playoff game in his tenure, has shown a lot of things. And I think a lot about that, that game that they had no business winning in Seattle last year, but they, they pulled it out. It really showed, um, I guess, a competence and, and, a, and a resolve that uh, was unfamiliar to me. And I think a lot of that comes from him. I think the players believe in him and play hard for him. So I'm not really in any hurry to see him go. Next topic. I found myself wondering if there was a position at which the Redskins might be reasonably likely to add uh, a so-called name, brand name, or marquee veteran still here in uh, in the off season or preseason. Because I think at this point, we've all kind of started operating under the assumption that the roster is what it is. But there's still some decent players out there, and I, I think possibly some places on this roster where the coaches might not be completely satisfied. I think a lot of fans might nominate left guard as a position where they, they would suggest that the team consider upgrading um, because Sean LeVeo, sort of the presumed starter, I guess, right now, is, is uh, n- well, not a stud and, and not really a fan favorite. And I can't say that I really love LeVeo. He's, kind of, uh, he's not a very inspiring solution at that position. But I'll tell you, if he is healthy, and I really have no idea if he's sort of back to his baseline self, but if he's healthy, I really think that that's a pretty low acuity issue in the minds of the coaching staff. Um, Bill Callahan, in particular, said some stuff recently that really convinced me that Callahan likes Laveo and trusts him and I don't think that you know I don't think that they have any delusions that he's going to a Pro Bowl but I really don't think Gruden and Callahan are like dying to upgrade over Sean Laveo again if indeed he is healthy I think they consider him the type of guy they can work with and he's making next to nothing so that that probably can hold I think though that safety is looking a little thin right now all right I, I like Swearinger Um, obviously he's a, he's a good enough starter. I think, you know, as an aside, he may have become a little bit overrated among Redskins fans. I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of, you know, he's a cool guy with the swag and, and, and he's, and he's a leader and he's vocal and he can hit. So, you know, I like him. He's pretty good. Uh, he, he got kind of destroyed in coverage a few more times last year than I was really comfortable with but whatever swearinger's fine and nicholson you know yet another player where the key thing is health but as a rookie boy he sure showed some some serious range and versatility i mean he's a really dynamic player gruden has said some fairly outlandish things about how good and important he is for this team he called him at one point months ago sort of like the jordan reed of the defense where like a lot of things really play off of him um so given health I think that those top two guys at the safety position are fine. I don't think that they're necessarily a top 10 duo, but I don't think that they're a bottom 10 duo. However, if you get past either one of them, I would have some pretty big concerns. I mean, DeShazer Everett is really still basically a pro football player more for special teams than for defense. He got in to games a little bit last year and he's, you know, he made one really big play in his career against the Eagles with a big pick. It's not like I think he's a disaster, but I don't think he's the sort of guy that you really want to have out there on defense for more than a game or two. And then Apke, you know, he was a fourth rounder, but, you know, we've covered at length that that he's he's got a long way to go before he really knows what he's doing as a defensive back. So at safety, I mean, I think the Redskins are in pretty big trouble if they have uh, a, a significant injury to either starter. And, and if that happens to two players, they would be hella screwed. I mean, trotting out... Deshazer Everett and Troy Apke as your safety tandem for even one game. I mean, that's an L. Like it's over. You that that gets exposed badly. So if you follow my logic there, I mean, I, I have to think that the coaches have given a little bit of thought to maybe adding a vet at that position. I, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe not. Maybe they they do really feel confident in Everett as like a, a borderline starter quality kind of player. But also you have to look at, you know, in, in the the safety market, um, in terms of free agents right now, is is pretty decent. I mean, Kenny Vaccaro is out there. You got Trey Boston still out there. You got Eric Reed out there. These are pretty good players. These guys are going to be on rosters. That's just to name a few. So to me, there's some supply, and I could see why the Redskins might have a little bit of demand. I mean, maybe they'll wait to get back and do a little bit more... Um, team stuff and and sort of take stock and see where they are they're at I'm not at all certain that they're going to make a move there but to me if there's a position group where the Redskins would consider adding somebody that you've heard of um, that you know in 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 a in a way that might actually affect the roster in other words somebody who could conceivably play for me it's at safety and I think uh, there's one more thing last topic I wanted to touch on a little bit This is a little arbitrary, but I've been thinking about it. I've seen some articles recently about the Redskins receiving core, um, wondering whether it was, well, sufficient. And without question, this is a a collection of uh, largely unproven individuals. Not one among them has had a season yet in their respective careers with over a thousand yards. But I'm here to say that I think this receiving core is fine. I think it could really work for Gruden and for this particular iteration of the Redskins. Uh, I think Dachshund, you know, I guess he he kind of sold me a little bit last year. I wanted him to get more playing time and more targets, and boy, did he get more playing time. I mean, he ended up being on the field for over ninety percent of the Redskins' pass plays last year, so he was getting opportunities, and 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 that shows to me that they believe in him. and And he wasn't necessarily making the most of them, but he was making something of a lot of them. I mean, he had a number of of highlights and big plays last year. I do think he changed games a little bit, so I don't see why he couldn't be on the cusp of, of a sort of a mini breakout here. I mean, this is, this is a guy with, with elite physical talents, ridiculous jumping ability. He was a first-round pick a couple of years ago. We all soured on him because of this mysterious, somewhat pathetic-seeming injury as a rookie. And I'm not predicting that he's going to bust out and become A.J. Green this year, but I think Doxon can be a, a game-changer, at least intermittently. With Richardson, um, I think this is a guy who you might see uh, pan out like, quite a bit better than, than most people thought because I think he was kind of an X factor and, and just not well characterized uh, in, in Seattle. I, I want to be clear. I'm saying that I'm not really sure we know exactly what he is. I think he can be more than what he was because although he played with an excellent quarterback in Russell Wilson, it was, let's face it, a, a bizarre or at least a very unique offensive system with a ton of stuff off script. It seems to me like he's actually a better and more versatile route runner than he was even asked to be in Seattle. Now, the guy is skinny as a rail. I mean, his, his physique, his habitus worries me greatly. It does seem like he could get injured at any minute if somebody just looks at him wrong. But if he stays healthy, that, that speed is absolutely legit. The ability for highlight real type catches um, and the sticky hands are legit. I, I like Richardson as a field stretcher. I mean I was sort of lukewarm on him as a signing overall and that's primarily because he, he really did break the bank. I mean, I'm not sure he's worth what he got, but he can be a good player. so I like that and then Jamison Crowder is a guy who you know we all thought was a really a, 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 a vicious slot player prior to kind of a down year last year. and I think that was multifactorial um, that there may have been some conditioning issues, there may have been some nagging undisclosed injury issues. And I think, frankly, it seemed like he just did kind of lose focus in, in sort of a funky, weird year for him there in, in Kirk Cousins' lame duck year. Obviously not a big player, not your classic possession type guy, but I think he'll bounce back to being like a really good player in the slot. Then further down the depth chart at receiver, you know, we're talking about a fairly deep unit, actually. Even the people who don't really love the frontline guys are acknowledging that when, you, when you're going to end up having to cut one from among Maurice Harris, Robert Davis, or Brian Quick, I mean that's that's a decent player that you're going to let loose because of guy you know six guys ahead of him, so there is some decent depth there. And then I think on top of it, you know, this this sort of um, this this bunch of fairly inexperienced, uh, high ceiling but raw and kind of unproven receivers. I think if you're going to unlock the potential of a group like that. You need an ultra-experienced, low-ego quarterback to do it, and that's exactly what they went out and got in Alex Smith. He's a perfect match for this sort of uh, receiving group that's going to need to build confidence together and over the course of the year like momentum. I think he's exactly the right kind of person that can feed them that. He's going to spread it around. He's going to make them feel comfortable. I mean, the guy is is the... uh, consummate locker room leader so he he just seems like a perfect fit so uh, basically my summary here is I think that that the Redskins receiving core is a little bit better than they are thought to be on average um, by people across the league and remember that I didn't even mention prior to this uh, Jordan Reed's name because he's really your your possession guy and I know that's going to get eye rolls because like at this point Jordan Reed as good as he is we've all just almost given up on him because he's so so extraordinarily fragile and of course, that will always be a major issue with him. But if if and when he's there, I mean, he's he's your possession type alpha kind of move the change receiver guy. I mean, he's a tight end, but, but he is that guy. So when you start looking at those other receiver parts around him, they can really be, I think, a good complementary unit for him. That is, I think, all of the critically important, highly relevant, must-have details about the Redskins that I've been pondering lately that you, of course, are obligated to digest and agree with that I wanted to share with you tonight. So thanks, as always, for humoring me. Check out Burgundy Blog on Twitter, at Burgundy Blog. And I very much look forward to dropping another one of these, hopefully with Hayes or Colin, somewhere around the time of the opening of training camp exactly a month from today.